this is Barry Edgman with Father Seekers, and you are tuned into our podcast, Teach Me to Father. Hey, what does it mean to be a good dad? You know, if you grew up without a dad, you really don't have a reference point as to how to do that. And one of the things that we do here at Father Seekers is we we help fatherless fathers understand the divine call on their life to be a good dad. It's never too late to be a good dad. You can be a good dad. You can start today and you can become all God has created you to, to do and to be with your kids. 90% of beginning the journey to being a great father, 90% of the work is just starting. Hey, I want to talk to you today about a topic that's a hot topic, not the store, but a hot, hot topic. Many of you have reached out to us and communicated to us what you're thinking about, what you want to discuss, how you want to discuss, and how to get more information on some of the ideas and concepts that you're looking for. And one of the ways that you can reach out to us, of course, is through the website, you can go to fatherseekers.org. You can connect with me personally there. My email, my personal email that goes directly to my phone is barry at fatherseekers.org, barry at fatherseekers.org. And also, if you want to track us, you can do so on Facebook. You can do so TikTok, and you can do so on Instagram. You can connect all with us through the website, fatherseekers.org. I get a chance to speak to guys all around the country, and I speak at different events here and there, but especially, especially when we when we begin to discuss what really being a man is all about. There's always this topic that surfaces, what does it mean to be a good man? What does it mean to be a good father? Because first off, to be a good father, you have to be a good son. You, you don't, if you don't understand sonship, you'll never understand fatherhood. So out of all that discussion comes this concept, this idea of what does it mean to be a good man? Well, then you have to, you have to face the question in the room, uh, the white elephant question, the question that our culture screams about today, and that is that is this. What does it mean to be a biblical man? Biblical manhood. What is biblical manhood? Now, I'm for sure we won't get through this in one 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 discussion. Uh, so so this may be a one or two on or off off cast podcast here but but the the other side of this when when i'm out talking to you guys in the field or i get contacted or uh i get i get information about how how right on i am or how wrong i am i'm not looking for that i'm looking to tell the truth and you have to decide whether or not you're going to believe the truth and here's the truth god created men to be men after his design. God, look, God created man in his image. Now we don't have to go any further than that. 
if we want to be a real man, then then we have to we have to understand who God is and and what a wonderful father he is. It is it is not by chance that all this is connected. It is intricately designed and planned. More about that in a minute. But but the other side of that question is we have to ask ourselves what is biblical womanhood? Now I am sure, I am sure, and I welcome, I welcome the emails because it opens up conversation. It opens up dialogue. It opens up new ways of thinking biblically about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. Now, we don't have to go far in our culture to understand that there is an attack on the office of being a man and on the office of being a woman in the kingdom of God. Now, here's my challenge to you. I mention political ideas and concepts, but I want I don't want to debate those with you because you will not convince me. There's no way you'll ever convince me to believe anything other than what scripture says. Now, that being said, how do I define scripture? How do I interpret scripture? I interpret scripture, Judeo-Christian interpretation, language, grammar, culture the specific contents and context of the book anthropology is involved and very conservative, very conservative uh, learning and understanding of scripture, not, not widespread, not a wide, what does the scripture say? How does it say it? And to whom is it said? So I'm, I'm not going to be that guy because I've been in these circles before where, where scripture is misinterpreted and, and, and used to abuse people that the users didn't like or didn't want to be around. So if you think that's what this podcast is going to be, it is not. This, this particular podcast, our purpose, our niche in the world is to help fatherless fathers be good fathers, great fathers. But we have to talk about this this piece, this idea of being a man, being a biblical-based man, operating and living like a man, a man of God, not an abusive man, not a controlling man, not an angry man, not a man who thinks that he can control his wife and kids and to dominate them and to use them. And to abuse them. That's not a man. That's that's a weak, broken person. But God came to heal the broken. So that's what we're talking about if you're that guy. I've never met a bully who wasn't bullied himself. I've never met a man that was an abuser who was wasn't abused himself. Now that you might say, well, that's rocket that's not really rocket science. No, it's not. But here's the truth. In our culture, for years I have studied this and I've watched it. I was a youth pastor for over 20 years. And I watched this evolve in in the late, in the late 80s, early 80s, mid-80s. I watched this 1980s, by the way, for those of you. I've watched this evolve. What is absolute truth and who is the actual source of it? So that's what I want to talk to you today is is the ab, who 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 is your source of absolute truth and then I want to begin to 
to to just creep into what biblical manhood is. And then we're going to have a whole podcast on biblical womanhood with women because I'm not a woman and I can't speak to that, but I can tell you that there is just as much an attack on biblical womanhood as there is on biblical manhood. Why is there an attack? Here's why. If, if, if the enemy or the culture or both can interrupt the truth of God, the absolute truth of God about how a man and a woman have certain particular places in the kingdom. The kingdom would not be whole if it were not for biblical men and biblical women. Jesus is the king. He is the kingdom. We are in his realm and in his reign. But if we don't follow the pattern that he's established for us, then, then we cannot do and be what he's called us to do and be. So there has to be this exploratory idea, this concept, this discussion that we begin to dig into this and we begin to lay aside what the culture says as far as as being a sourcing for our definition. Now, here's here's the problem. Here's the problem. We we use words that have multiple meanings. For example, the word love. What is I love pizza. I love hamburgers. Some of my good friends would say, I love cigars. Some guys would say, I love motorcycles. But God says, I love you, so I sent my son. So you can see the vast span of of the meanings and the understanding of love. So what I want to talk to you today, just to begin the conversation about biblical manhood, what does it mean to be a man, a man of God, to be to be in, in the one-liner, the one-liner takeaway about being a man is to is this, a real man in the kingdom of God imitates and emulates the lifestyle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Real men, the one-liner takeaway, the w- real men in the kingdom of God imitate and emulate the person, the behavior the attitude, the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. That is a real man. So there's not, there's not necessarily a list, although we could pull together a list, and there are hundreds of lists out there about that. But if you want to know what it's like to be a real man, bro, you have got to begin to study the life of Christ. The truth is, the real truth is, we have to have something that we have to have a, a, a singular source that defines truth for us. Now, in our culture, everyone's truth is based from, from their understanding, their perception, and who they are or who they think they are or are not. For us to have a conversation about, about biblical manhood, about being a man in this world, being a godly man, we have to look at, at one, one example that we can talk about, we can discuss, we can study his life, and then we can begin to imitate that and emulate that and mimic that in the world. And then teach others, the Great Commission, teach others how to do that. There is a gener- there are there is there are two generations, almost well, probably three generations of of men, young men and boys who who have or are now growing up without a father or a fatherly influence. 
That is the way God designed his kingdom, his creation. Everything flows from father to son, and son then imitates and lives like his father tells him to. If we don't have an earthly father, then we don't know any of that. And that's why I will tell you the, the, the deep secret here. That's why our culture is in the shape it's in. I read a statistic the other day about one people group. In that particular people group, I believe Candace Owens, I'll quote Candace Owens, amazing, brilliant woman. She is a strong woman, loves God, and she shows no mercy and takes no prisoners. Candace Owens said this, the greatest problem and travesty in the black community is there are no fathers in the home. As it, overall, generally, now I have, I have many friends from different cultures, different, different colors, and some statistics don't prove true for them because, because overarching statistics and generalizations don't, don't apply to everybody. And when we're talking about, when we're talking about being a man, culture screams these overarching generalizations. Most in other cultures, I would also say that the biggest problem in the deterioration of morals and integrity is because there is no father in the home. One of the things that I like to do on, on the side when, when I have the time and it's, 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 it's unusually rare, but I'll, I watch crime show documentaries and I watch, I like to study human nature and human behavior. And one of the things that I'm learning over and over and over again is because I'm looking for it. I'm studying it. I'm seeing where it pops up and presents itself. But I'm, I'm noticing that most criminals, most, most, um, most murderers or mass murderers or, or, or people who have, people who have, have committed egregious crimes grew up in a, in a, a less than adequate home and and most of the time, most all of the time, there was no father in the home or there was an abusive father in the home. If we go further back and look around and at other statistics about men, if you read if you read federal government federal government prison statistics, the majority of men, over 90% of men, any call, it's all cultures. It's not just one 90 plus percent of men in prison grew up without a father over 80% upwards of 85% of women who are in prison grew up without a father. So, so though, so, so you can see where this conversation is going because what we've done is we over Three generations have created a fatherless culture where now the culture, because there is no active father in the home, the culture has now defined what 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 manhood is and 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 defrocked men culturally, not all, 
because I know there are some warriors in the field. I know, I know the, the circle of my boys that I run with my men, we would each give our lives for the other. We have shed spiritual sweat and adrenaline and some blood, sweat and tears. And I will tell you that each of us would give our lives for the other. And if you don't have those kind of friends, you are losing out on life. But I will tell you that there are some strong men in this world who love Jesus. They are not afraid to say it. They are not afraid to live it. And they are not afraid to challenge the, challenge the culture with the truth of God and empowered and encouraged and directed by Holy Spirit. So I'm not talking about a revolution of, of counteracting the woke culture. I am screaming this, this message from the mountaintop that we men in this country, if we don't seek to be awakened by the Holy Spirit to be men of God, our culture will crash and burn. Now, that, that truth, that fact is manifesting itself everywhere in the culture today as I speak. It's manifesting in several different places. Here's what, here's what we need to know as men. If you love your wife and you love your kids and you love Jesus, you need to seek and to pray every day, every day, awaken me to the truth of what a real man is and begin to study the life of Jesus Christ and what he did and how he did it. He was, he was the, he, listen, if you've not studied his life and you, you don't believe in Jesus, that's fine. Study his life as a man, but give me 10 seconds and let me just ask you this question. If you don't believe him and you don't believe in him, 10 seconds, here we go. What if what I'm saying is true and you're wrong? about Jesus? What if he is the savior of the world? What if he is king of kings? And what if he is the king who will return and every knee ever created will bow to him and proclaim him as Lord? Now, not all men are weak. I've heard a new term. It's not a new term. It's an old term, but I've just, I've begun to hear it more and more often. And to be honest with you, it makes me sick. It's the term beta male. It's the opposite of alpha male. Now, granted, there is there is a definition of alpha male out there that that they're they're muscle heads, they're strong, they're 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 they will they will fight at the drop of a hat. They're they're bullies, they're punks. Let me tell you what a real a real alpha male is. And and I'm not I'm not saying that definition is not true because because culturally that that term alpha male is used to defrock men of manhood, and and honestly we've we've some of us have leaned into it and believed it like I've got to be this muscle head abuser and just dare anybody across my path. That, that you know what that's not the alpha male I'm talking about. I'm talking about the alpha male who loves Jesus and fears no one but God. That's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the man who is an alpha male because he has submitted his life to Jesus Christ and he lives every breath of every day, every step, every moment in pursuit of who Jesus is and living out his life. through. That is an alpha male. 
Now, we've defined what biblical manhood is. We've defined what an alpha male is. And anything less than an alpha male, a biblical alpha male, is not going to make it. It's not going to cut it. It's not going to hack it. Because when we dig into when we dig into to a man being a good man that his wife and kids adore and love and want to be around, then you'll see the power of being a biblical alpha male. I will tell you this. That if we do not, as men of God, kingdom men, Jesus guys, if we do not shake off this intimidation that the culture pushes at us, we will fail our kids and our wives miserably. And I might also add that we will we will lessen our effect in the kingdom because, because God has created man in his image. And from man, woman was created. So woman is created in God's image. So what I'm saying to you is this, this biblical manhood thing, it's, it's not something we do just to rule and reign. Biblical manhood, Jesus alpha male guys, are more, they are more concerned about their wife and kids than they are themselves. I'm I'm on a soapbox here. I've been talking about this with lots of people around the country and some of my friends and in several groups I'm in about this whole thing. And I will tell you that one of the deceptions of the age that we're living in is to distract the authority of the culture away from men. We are God's spokesperson in the kingdom. I might also add to balance that out that God said we can't do it alone. He gave us, he created Eve for Adam so that they together could do what God commanded them to do in the garden, which was the kingdom at that time before sin entered the world. Once sin entered the world, there was a division between Adam and Eve and then the separation of biblical manhood, biblical womanhood coming together in the unit of a family was separated and corrupted. So not for a minute would I but what I begin to even think about proposing that men can do it all alone. Clearly they cannot clearly, but there is a responsibility that God has placed on man to be the lead, to follow closely after God, to love God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and love his wife and his kids as his self himself. This whole biblical manhood thing, it's not about being a lone wolf or a bruiser or a scrapper. It's about leading and being a man, leading yourself first. One of the first questions I ask my buddies when they come to me and say, "What? Uh, I got a problem at home. What's going on? What's happening? They tell me. I'll listen. And then I ask, I ask this question. Do you love your wife like Christ loved the church? Yeah, but no, that's not what I ask you. I said, do you love your wife like Christ loved the church? Because that's part of being a biblical man, a godly man, an, a, 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 a Jesus alpha guy. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. Christ sustains the church. He created the church. He provides for the church. He empowers the church. He protects the church. He gives provision to the church. Do you love your wife, bro? Do you love your wife like Christ loved the church? If the answer is anything but yes, 
then there's your problem. Here's what I'm saying. There is a power about being a godly, biblical, Jesus alpha man. And the power in that is that I begin to see my life and my wife and my kids through Jesus' kingdom lenses. Not my kingdom, but Jesus' Jesus kingdom lenses. And when I can look through and see my kids and my wife like Jesus sees them, I'm able to pursue a pathway that causes me to walk in humility, putting myself last and putting them first. See, culture alpha male says, I'm first, I'm the one, I'm the conqueror, you serve me, you are my prisoner, I do with you what I want. But the Jesus alpha male says, I love you more than myself. I submit myself to Jesus. He has given you to me as a gift. These children are a gift. I love you. I pursue you. I humble myself before God so that I can see you in the light that he sees you. I want to follow Jesus. This is why I love you. Let's settle this. Let's work this out. See, here's the, here's the, here's the story is that much of the time, much of the time, you let me back up. I spoke to you opening with absolute truth. What's your source of absolute truth? One of the, one of the things one of the one of the principles in in English literature is is the big lie. I'll never forget the day I read about this in college in 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 uh, some English class. It's called the big lie, and in in the concept of broke the to break it down simply is this: the big lie is the more that you say something, the truer it becomes. That's the big lie in literature. The more you say it. Not only the bigger it becomes, but the truer it becomes in the eyes of the reader because it's repeated over and over and over and over again. That's what culture does about not only tearing down biblical manhood, but also distorting and distracting women from what it means to be a, a godly woman, godly womanhood, a biblical woman. Now, I can see the wagging fingers and the chicken chicken necking going on right now with, with some women as they listen to this. And let me say, first of all, that we don't use culture to interpret Scripture here. We use Scripture to interpret Scripture, and we pray. There is nothing greater in the eyes of God than an emotionally and spiritually strong woman. There's absolutely, there's nothing more wonderful in his eyes. I think one of the things that we miss out on and one of the things that we we miss the boat on, both as men and women in the kingdom, is we forget that there are certain markers in the kingdom that we have to live by and follow after and pursue. And for me right now, I'm stuck in the very middle of the Bible and for me, the middle of the Bible is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount with, with eight Beatitudes, and one of those Beatitudes was meekness. Meekness is not being a doormat. I, I believe I mentioned this in the last podcast or so. Meekness is not being a doormat. Meekness is being strong and powerful and having the authority, the will, and the power to adjudicate in every situation to do God's will as God directs 
through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that I'm an abuser and I take control or I manipulate people. Here's what it means. It means that I mimic, imitate, and emulate the life of Jesus. Jesus was kind and gentle, but he flipped tables over, and he, he, he created a whip and ran the money changers out of the temple. He also was antagonistic against the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he did it in love. He also died, the king of glory, the creator for whom all creation was created for and through, laid his life down on a cross to die for my sin and yours and all that have ever walked the earth. That, my friend, is meekness. So when I talk about, when I talk about a woman, biblical womanhood, I'm not talking about being a weak, anemic, quiet, run over doormat. I'm talking about a woman who understands her place in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she understands that her identity is found in him, nowhere else. And she understands that her beauty comes from his glory. She understands that that the presence that indwells her heart comes from the presence and the power of Holy Spirit flowing through her. You want to talk about... You want to talk about the most attractive, most beautiful woman in the world? I just described her to you. I just described her to you. So be clear, ladies. I'm not talking about a doormat. I'm not talking about a weak, anemic, quiet woman who sits in the corner and doesn't speak unless spoken to. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about men and women being awakened to being men being being alpha Jesus males and women being being the glory of God represented in the earth because of of what God has called and appointed you to do. He made he made woman to complete man. And when we try to usurp that original design, we will crush the culture of the kingdom and we will we will disenfranchise it where we're supposed to be enhancing it and growing it and building it. Now in the next week or so, I don't know how long this will go, but I do know that I do know that it's heavy, hot, and deep. But I will tell you this about being a biblical man, being a godly man, being a man who loves Jesus more than himself and will pursue Jesus before he pursues anyone else, or he pursues his own power, his own strength, his own position. Bro, if you want to see your life revolutionized, you find a quiet place and you drop down on your knees and you cry out to God and you say, God in heaven, my father in heaven, make me a Jesus alpha male. And then from there, study the life of Jesus, do what he did, say what he said, become who he was on the earth and ask Holy Spirit to empower you. I am calling for a revolution, a revolution of Jesus, alpha male, kingdom powered. Hey, if you want to talk, Barry at fatherseekers.org. Our website is fatherseekers.org. We've got some new things dropping in on our website in the next couple of weeks. Be looking for it. This is Barry Edgman, founder, creator, Father Seekers. You've been listening to Teach Me to Father. Father.